Will you be finding your way to Luke chapter 2? Luke chapter 2, one last time this morning as we conclude a simple series of studies uh, for this Christmas season that we've entitled The Gift of Christmas. And really, I hope that you have enjoyed and been encouraged over the last several weeks as we have been looking into Luke chapter 2 and Thinking about the gift of Christmas, and so far, if you've been here all uh, of these other weeks, and if not, I'll catch you up, we have seen that Christmas is a gift worth waiting for. We, we've seen that Christmas is a gift worth giving, and then last Sunday, we saw that Christmas is a gift worth receiving. And so this morning, as we conclude our series, I want us to think for a few minutes about why Christmas is a gift worth sharing. Now, it's Christmas. If you were waiting to go shopping, you're a little bit late. But if your family is like mine, you're going to get together over the next, maybe today, tomorrow, maybe this next week, you're going to see family and you're going to hang out with family and that's awesome. Except in every family you have a crazy uncle. Did you know that? How many of you all have a crazy uncle in your family? Can I see your hands? How many of you all have? So if you didn't raise your hand, you know what that means? You might just be the crazy uncle. But when you gather together with your family, you're, you're going to likely, if your family is anything like mine, sometimes you're going to have those who just share a little too much. Just a little too much. Heard about some guys that had been working out down at a private gym, and they were, they'd, they'd finished working out, and they were getting ready back in the locker room, and there was a phone. There was a phone that had gotten laid, a cell phone, over on one of the benches, and started to ring, and the guy picked it up, and he had a conversation, and the conversation went something like this. Hello? Hey, sweetie. Oh, hey, how are you doing? Well, I, I'm fine. Um, are you still at the gym? Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just getting cleaned up. Well, hey, I was out doing some shopping today. You'll ask me to some shopping, and, and um, I found the most beautiful mink coat I have ever seen in my entire life. It is absolutely beautiful, and I just wondered, could, could, I, could I get it? Well, how much is it? Well, it's only $7,000. Well, if you like it that much, sure. Why don't you go ahead and get it? Oh, you're the sweetest. And, hey, while I've got you on the phone, I, while I, I was driving toward the mall, I, I saw, I went by the Mercedes dealership, and they got the new models in, so I walked around the lot for a little bit, and one of the salesmen came over, and, and I found one that I really, really, really love. It's absolutely gorgeous. And the, the salesman said he would make a really good deal uh, on it for me, and he said, well, how much? He said, it's only $85,000, and he said, well, if you're going to pay that much, make sure you get all the bells and whistles on it. I'm not going to get uh, taken on this. Oh, that's the great. Hey, one last thing before I, before I let you go, honey. He said, yeah. She said, I was doing your checkbook last night. Uh-huh. Well, t today I, I went back by that house that we, we, we saw that we liked so much. He said, well, which one was that? She said, it was one you loved. You know, it had the pool and the jacuzzi and, and the English garden, and it had, had the tennis courts, and it had the little roundabout out front. And, you know, it's been on the market for a while, and so... How much is it? Well, it's $975,000. He said, well, what do you think? She said, well, you've got enough in your account. And uh, he, he said, well, I tell you what, don't offer any more than 925. That's as high as we'll go, 925. Oh, you're the greatest. Thank you. Love you, sweetie. See when you get home, hung up. The guy raised, listen, anybody know whose phone this is? <laughs> Some people just share too much, right? Well, this morning, what I want to do is I want you to stand one last time with me. And I know you've been standing a bunch, and y'all get mad about that. It's all right. One last time, Luke chapter 2. We're going to read verses 8 through 20 of this familiar part of the traditional Christmas story to kind of get our minds and hearts going in the same direction 
And then we'll spend just a few moments thinking about why Christmas is a gift worth sharing. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Now there were in this same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. You may be seated. All week long, I've had a song in my mind. As a matter of fact, I haven't been able to get it out of my mind. I have sung it in the car. I've sung it in the shower. I've, I've sung it when I'm sitting at my desk working. Just about anywhere and everywhere I've gone this week, there's been this song that I've been singing and humming to myself. And to be very honest with you, before this week, I don't know that I would have put this song up there as one of my favorite Christmas songs, but after reading and studying and planning and preparing for this morning's message, I, I want you to know that I've come to the place where it might just be the greatest Christmas song ever written. And I'll tell you why. Because this song not only talks about the miracle of Christmas and the message of Christmas, but it also talks about those first messengers of Christmas. And it's a song that is based on the passage that we just read together here on this Christmas Eve Sunday morning. And I'm sure that you know it. It goes something like this. Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. And I believe that that song is really the song of these simple shepherds that we just wait, read about. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, Pastor. I graduated from vacation Bible school, and, and I know that the angels are the ones who announced the coming of the Christ. And so that means that they were the first messengers. Well, I guess technically you're right, but you need to remember this, that Jesus didn't come into the world for angels. He came into the world for us. Good news, goodwill toward men. Oh, the angels can sing about his glory, but they can't sing about his grace. That's a song that only those shepherds could start to sing. You see, it was just an ordinary night on an ordinary hillside. You had some ordinary sheep and some very ordinary shepherds. And if it weren't for a God who loves to turn the ordinary into the extraordinary, the, those sheep would have been forgotten and those shepherds could have very easily just slipped through the night and missed the amazing miracle that was happening right near them. But as one preacher put it, he said, God dances amidst the common and on this night God did a waltz. 
And so if you're thinking here with me this morning, how many of y'all have a vivid imagination? I have a really vivid imagination. So I've been reading this story this week, and my imagination has been running wild. How many of y'all have a vivid imagination? Can I see your hands? You're not being honest. How many of y'all are married to somebody who has a vivid imagination? Can I see your hands? More honest, all right? And so on this night, Luke tells us, this dark Palestinian night, all of a sudden exploded with heavenly light. The sheep that had been silent suddenly began to sing a chorus of curiosity. And one minute those shepherds were fast asleep and the very next minute they're rubbing their eyes trying to focus and staring into the face of an angel. Can you imagine? You've been sleeping outside and you wake up and there's an angel right there. No longer just an ordinary average run-of-the-mill night. So the question is for us this morning, why would the good news first come into the world to a bunch of simple, sleeping, scared shepherds? Well, I can give you several reasons why it shouldn't have come that way. Like I told you last week, for one thing, they're despised. I mean, even though shepherd at one time might have been a noble profession, and you remember Abel was a shepherd and Abraham was a shepherd and Jacob was a shepherd and Moses was a shepherd, even David was a shepherd. You might say by the time you come to the birth of Jesus Christ, though, shepherding had fallen on hard times. As a matter of fact, if you want to get the picture of what most folks in that part of the world thought about shepherds in this day, you don't have to read very far into your Bible. You get to Genesis chapter 43, chapter 46, verse 33, where it says, So it shall be. When Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? That you shall say, your servant's occupation has been with livestock from our youth even till now, both we and also our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. In other words, if you want to live out there in Goshen, and if you want to get away from Pharaoh, nosy Pharaoh, ever-watching Pharaoh, if you want to get out from underneath Pharaoh's thumb, then just tell him, We're shepherds, and he's not going to want to be anywhere near you. According to the Mishnah, uh, shepherds were under a ban. They were put on the same level with liars and thieves. And as a result, like I told you last Sunday, they couldn't even get testimony in a court of law. The only people considered lower than shepherds in this day were lepers. And they were despised. Not only were they despised, they were dirty. In a society that prided itself on cleanliness these folks were about as dirty as dirty could be they weren't welcome in polite society uh, they were considered physically unclean uh, because they were living out there in the in the woods in the fields and and they were ceremonially unclean they couldn't even go into the temple on the sabbath because they handled dead animals they were despised they were dirty they were dumb measured by the standards of the world they were ignorant and uneducated and yet David Jeremiah says this shepherding was one of those occupations that nobody wanted but nobody could live without so why were they needed well besides the obvious food and clothing there was the fact That these lambs that were raised, and especially these particular lambs raised by these particular shepherds, 
in the hills outside of Bethlehem, these particular lambs were used in the temple sacrifices. Think about that. These shepherds were raising the lambs that were used there for the sacrifices in the temple, sacrifices for sin. And yet on this night, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world was born, and they were the very first to hear about it. Which again means that they were the very first ones to tell about it. They were the first evangelists, which is where this morning's message picks up. And so if you've been tracking with me, you're going to understand that they had waited for the gift of Christmas and they had received the gift of Christmas. And then they shared the gift of Christmas. So look down there in verse 20 one last time. Let me share with you about these shepherds who were the first ones to share the gift of Christmas. Luke 2.20. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. So if you're taking notes here on this Christmas Eve Sunday morning, the very first thing that we were told here is that these shepherds, they heard the angel's message. Verse 8, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. By the way, that's, that's always the way that it works. You have to hear the message. That, that's one of the reasons why... We place such a priority on preaching and the proclamation of the Bible here at Abilene. That's one of the reasons why this pulpit is front and center in this room. It is the priority of the proclamation of the good news of the gospel. Paul says in Romans 10, 17, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why it matters. That's why it's so important. So we've already looked extensively at that last verse, but let me just take this whole account real quickly and break it down into basically three statements. Here's the announcement that that angel delivered that first Christmas night. You don't have to be afraid. That's the very first thing. You don't have to be afraid. That's exactly what the angel said. Do not be afraid. By the way, that angel used that same phrase three times in the first two chapters of Luke. In Luke chapter 1, verse 13, he said to Zacharias, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. He said in Luke one thirty to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And here in Luke chapter 2, 2.10, he said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. So it's easy to say, don't be afraid when you're an angel. Not necessarily so easy to do when you're a shepherd, staring into the face of an angel, Right? But as a matter of fact, you go back and read your Bible. Every time, just about every time that I can think of, every time you have a person in the pages of the Bible that has an encounter with an angel, they're always doing the same. They're scared out of their minds, scared out of their wits. And so it's Christmas. It's a time when a lot of people are fearful. And you may be here this morning and you're afraid. Not afraid of an angel, I'm not talking about that. But you're fearful, you're afraid. You're looking at another tough year financially. You've got an uncertain future physically. You've got some major decisions to make with a relationship. And so there's fear. Normally, fear comes as a result of oh, one, two, three, four things. Either because of uncertainty, insecurity, or anticipation 
or expectation of a sacrifice or a punishment. And so that's why on this first Christmas, this message is so great. Because those shepherds were told, do not be afraid. Why? Because Jesus came to make the uncertain certain, the insecure secure. And Jesus is coming to be the payment for our sin. He's going to take the punishment for our sins. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, I got great news for you. You're here this morning and you know Jesus. Can, can I just say this to you? Your situation may be bad, but your God is great. And so the angel said, do not be afraid. Then he also said, they beco- I become like you so that you can come to know me. That's what God said to those shepherds through that angel. Even down to us today. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I am so glad that he didn't say, for there is born to Mary this day in the city of David. No, he said there's born to you. That means that every single one of us, it's God's way of letting you know that he wants to enter into a personal relationship with you. On that first Christmas night, God invaded this planet through the fragile form of a little baby boy. He had to become like us so that we could relate to him. We just sang that song. Jonathan did a great job. One of my favorite songs, Emmanuel, Hallelujah, Manger Ground. And the chorus, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God incarnate here to dwell. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, praise his name, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. It's like the little girl I heard about who was scared of the dark one night. She hollered downstairs for her daddy to come up. She said, Daddy, hey, come in and here and be with me. And her daddy said, it's okay, honey. Just hug your teddy bear. And I love what she said. She said, no, Daddy, I want something with skin on it. Jesus is God with skin on. Why? So that you can know him as much as he knows you. That's what Paul said in that, that great early church hymn in Philippians 2. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. God did all of that so that we could know him personally. He put on human flesh so that he could die for us. That is the heart of Christian truth. I heard about a man who was struggling with this idea. He would not become a Christian because he just couldn't, he couldn't comprehend how God became a man. Why would God do that? He just, it made no sense to him. And so one day he was out on one of his walks and he came across an ant mound. He had to have been in Georgia, fire ants of the devil. Y'all agree with me on that? Fire answer of the devil, straight from the pit. And so he's out walking one day. We didn't have those in Tennessee when I was there, by the way. just want to say it to you. He's out walking one day, and he comes across an ant mound, and he wants to study them, trying to figure out what they're doing. And so he gets down there on his knees, and he's, he's wanting to study those ants. But every time he bends down and looks, his shadow goes across the mound, they all scurry away, and he can't, he can't, can't study them. He wants to watch what they're doing and how they operate. But every time he gets closer to them, his shadow scares them away. He wants to study them, but he can't. And then it hit him. 
The only way that I'm going to really understand and those ants is if some way, somehow, I could become an ant. And it was at that moment that it clicked. That's why God came in human flesh as a baby that first Christmas. That's the truth of the incarnation. God has come to be with us in the person of Jesus. Here's the third thing that the angel said. I invite you, or the angel said, I invite you to come and receive my free gift. That's what God said to them through the angels. So the angel invited him, hey, go to Bethlehem, investigate it, check it out for yourself, confirm the message that we've given to you. And he said that, that the way that they would know that this was the Savior, the Messiah, the King, would be this, verse 12, that they would find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. They weren't commanded, they weren't coerced. The good news was delivered, the invitation was extended. And then after the angel left, the, the shepherd said in verse 15, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. They heard God's invitation. They accepted his invitation. And they took off toward Bethlehem just as fast as they could to find the baby. And so the first thing that these shepherds did is they heard the angel's message. Then number two, if you're taking notes, they saw the awesome miracle, verse 16. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Again, I've got a, I've got a pretty vivid imagination, so my mind's been running this weekend, so I can just see how this is. And so the, the angels leave. They take off, run toward Bethlehem, and they're running over those hills. They're jumping over those, over those little rock fences that are there in that part of the world. And then when they come into town, they stop every single person they run into, which, by the way, probably wasn't very many because it's middle of the night. Who's out running around middle of the night? But they stop everybody they run into. Hey, have you seen a baby in a feed trough? They finally find Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus. And it's just like they were told, wrapped up tightly in those little cloth strips and resting in a manger. And that's all it took. They'd seen enough. The angel was right. The Savior, the Messiah, the King, the Lord had arrived. And they not only heard the angelic message, they came into his presence and they met him. And, and I, wonder, I wonder kind of how that happened. What, what happened when they got there? <laughs> Maybe when they got there to the stable. Maybe they, they went and told Mary and Joseph what the angels had, what, what had happened up there. We were sleeping, angels, boop, woke up. Told us to come here. Maybe that's what the Bible doesn't tell us that, but I'm just trying to think what might have happened. Maybe Mary did what has happened so many times to me as a pastor. One of my favorite things as a pastor is getting to go to the hospital when we have a, one of Abilene's newest additions show up. And I get to go in, and I go in to see that little baby, and most of the time the, the mother will say something like this, you want to hold him? You want to hold her? Do I want? Yes! And I love holding that we get our picture made. Right? How many of y'all been here 11 years and seen me do that a bunch of times? Can I see your hands? Yeah. Maybe Mary offered to those shepherds, you want to hold him? I want you to think about that. The hands of that rough, tough, dirty shepherd takes the baby Jesus and holds that little baby 
that shepherd that had daily handled the spotless lambs that would be used in the temple sacrifices now holding the spotless lamb of God. They saw it. It was just like they'd been told. Go back to verse 12. Watch this. And this will be the sign to you. Watch this. You will find a babe that talks about his incarnation. The Bible says, God with us. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, literally bandages for the dead. That talks about his intention. Because he was born to die. Again, he's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And then it says, lying in a manger. That talks about his identification. Paul said this to the Christians at Corinth. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. What could be more humble, more lowly? than a little baby wrapped up in rags in a manger surrounded by shepherds. They heard the angel's message. They saw the awesome miracle. And then number three, they told of the arrival of Messiah. Look at verses 17 through 18 as we get ready to close. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. They were undistracted, undelayed, undaunted, and unashamed. They had met the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah in a manger, and they wanted everybody to know about it. And you know the amazing thing? We're done. You know the amazing thing about this story? The amazing thing about this part of the story, and this is worth getting up on Christmas Eve and coming to church for. I'm just saying this is worth getting up and coming to church for. The amazing thing about this part of the story is that this is the night these shepherds lost their jobs. Their job had been raising up, taking care of, tending sheep that would be used in the temple sacrifices to take care of the sins of the people just for one year. But on this night, there's no more need for those little lambs because on this night, the spotless, sinless Lamb of God had come into the world. They lost their job at Christmas. It's not a good thing, right? But it's okay. Because they got another one quick. They became the first evangelists. And their job was to tell everyone everywhere that Jesus, the Savior, the Lamb of God, had come. 
If your house is like mine, it looks like a bomb went off in it. I mean, there's paper everywhere, boxes everywhere. We got boxes under blankets so they can't, it's the craziest thing. If you're like me, so am I the only, so you've been taping all week and you run out of tape. They need to sell bigger dispensers of tape. You say, no, they come in three packs. Who wants to keep two more for another year? Right? You're going to lose them. But hopefully by now or by this afternoon, all the presents will be wrapped up and put underneath the tree. My John, that's the youngest of you new to Abilene, my John, Jonathan, Oh, I got all kinds of stories I could give you. My John's already given me a warning. Tomorrow morning, it's on. That's what he said. We're getting up early. No, we're not. I'm going to lock the door. But this afternoon or tomorrow morning, you're going to get up and you're going to walk in there to that tree. And underneath that tree are all these presents. But the greatest present ever given is not wrapped up with a bow on it underneath a tree. The greatest present ever given hung from a tree. Because 2,000 years ago, God, in the fullness of time, sent forth his son, born of a virgin, into this world on that first Christmas. And that little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes didn't stay there. He's not the little baby Jesus anymore. Because that little baby grew up into a man who lived a perfectly pure, spotless, sinless life, and he died on the cross on a tree for you and for me. And he is God's greatest gift. Paul calls him God's indescribable, unspeakable gift. You can't even put it into words how great Jesus is. Now, I wonder this morning, have you ever received God's gift of salvation through Jesus Christ? Because like tomorrow morning or this afternoon at your house maybe, when we go to offer those gifts, there's only two things you can do with a gift. You can receive it or reject it. Can't earn it, can't win it, certainly can't steal it. You can either receive it or reject it. And I wonder this morning, have you ever received God's gift of Jesus? You say, well, I go to church. That's awesome. I'm glad you're here today. It's not what I asked. I try to be a good person. Awesome. That's better than being a bad person. It's not what I asked. I say my prayers before I go to bed at night. That's awesome. Awesome. Great. I even pray before I eat my food. Great. It's not what I asked. 
I ask, have you ever received Jesus into your heart and life? And if not, why not? What good reason could you give for not receiving Jesus before you leave this place today? Because Jesus came and Jesus died. And Jesus rose from the dead. One day coming back soon. So that if you sitting here this morning would simply realize that you're a sinner because we all are. And repent of your sin. And receive Jesus into your heart and life. Jesus would come in, forgive you of your sin. And give you the greatest gift you could ever receive, the gift of eternal life. And you could do that before you leave this place today.